This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you, as the parent, can follow their ride on a live tracking map. Yeah, when your teen requests a trip, they're matched with highly rated, experienced drivers and you receive real-time notifications. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today, they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. It makes them feel safe, and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. And today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Ridiculous History is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show, Ridiculous Historians. Thank you, as always, so much for tuning in. Let's hear it for our own uh, commander-in-chief production-wise, Mr. Max Williams. Ta-da! He's the big boss. Uh, Yeah, you guys, I wrote a campaign song. You want to hear it? Hell, let's hear it. John Tyler, he's the man. John Tyler, and he was president, but in a weird way. That's all I got. I think it's there. It's, I think it's, it's great. It, yeah. and, and, and Noel, I think if it just kind of goes for a little bit and stops and never achieves anything in the song, it's very adequate to describe John Tyler. Well, Max, I, 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 I feel like that's a, uh, that's a bit judgy. We're in the brainstorming portion. Of the songwriting, uh, I am Ben, uh, you are Noel, and we are here indeed to explore the life and time of John Tyler, who is unanimously praised as a person who is at one point president. Uh, so, so uh, it's a canoe and Tyler, too. How about that? Mm-hmm. Also, 
old kinderkal, uh, you know, debatable etymology of the world's most popular word, which is okay. That's nuts. We could, uh, I want to do an etymology. So I'm more of an all right kind of guy. I want to do an etymology show so bad. Uh, Just, we could just do a series, man. Who knew anyway? We already got a show. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because people are, people are always attempting to rank the best presidents. And it's a small sample size. There aren't that many presidents yet because the United States is a relatively young country in the grand scheme of things. But as our research associate also named Max Williams points out at the very top of our show today, John Tyler is not going to be in the top 10 best presidents list anywhere. Well, unless you're talking about the top 10 forgettable presidents from Time Magazine. Yeah, that's where I was going. Yeah. He makes that. He makes that list. Uh, I forgot about that list. Yeah. Yeah, he makes that list with aplomb. Uh, He's what you might call a bit of a do-nothing, sort of an outfielder type president. Okay, let me let me rephrase that. I don't mean to malign professional outfielders, but, you know, I was made an outfielder in Little League. That's usually where they put the turds, you know, they don't really do anything. I was That's, an outfielder as well, so I, I, I got told, yeah, if it gets hit to you in right field, Max, they're, they're going to reach base no matter just what. Just shove Not your hand down. I was, I was left field, and it was awesome. I, I learned a lot got about so much the reading local done. ecology. <laughs> uh, yeah, I learned a lot about the local ecology of the ball field. And, you know, there's an argument that John Tyler was maybe that way. Uh, he did earn his vice presidency based almost entirely on the word-of-mouth campaign slogan, Tippecanoe and Tyler too. And when William Henry Harrison passed away, Folks started calling Tyler <clears throat> his accidency. Oof. I mean, first of all, even in the little jingle, he's an afterthought. But um, any insight into what the hell Tippecanoe comes from? What kind of nickname is that? I've never fully understood. I'm sure a cursory Google would answer the question, but I prefer to ask it in an analog fashion. It was a battle that William Henry Harrison had fought against a local native tribe. Got it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of these things where... They massacred like hundreds oh, of natives. Yeah. Something so, like that. But it's a war crime. People killer. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Cool. That, Let's put that in the slogan. Yeah. That that was a a, a winning uh, issue uh, in 1840. Let's just say. Yeah, it sure was. And there are a lot of ridiculous things about John Tyler. He was the first president in history to become president without a general election to that position. Uh, his own party also really didn't like him, sort of the way that the Democratic Party a few decades back didn't care for Ralph Nader. And mostly his own party thought he was too heavy with the vetoes. They thought he had a lead foot for the vetoes. And eventually, almost everybody, everybody except for one person in his presidential cabinet, resigned. Uh, For any fans of uh, Bill Clinton, uh, <laughs> Tyler was the first president to have articles of impeachment filed against him, and they did not come from his political opponents. They came from his own party. Wow. It'll so, be your own people. Bit of an incompetent. Uh, he also annexed Texas, which mm-hmm. is a bit of a move, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he really did. He did that thing. He annexed Texas AF. However... That's not even the most ridiculous nor especially notable stuff about the guy. This episode is about something much more 
um, bizarre. <laughs> and so, so maybe we open it up by learning a little bit more about John Tyler before he becomes POTUS. Oh, yeah. He was born with a spoon made of some precious metal firmly uh, in his, his mouth. Um, can't speak to the actual metal, but definitely a bit of a one percenter, uh, throwing off some serious landed gentry vibes. He led a life uh, that kind of blazed the trail towards this level of, um, of political influence. Uh, there's a quote from William Freeling in his biography of John Tyler called Life Before the Presidency, where he said, John Tyler's rise to the highest office in the nation signaled the last gasp of old Virginia aristocracy in the White House. So maybe that's good that it was the last gasp because it does feel like he was a bit of an incompetent to some degree. And that usually happens when things are uh, not a meritocracy, rather, but a, what do you call that? Uh, Cacistocracy? Sure. <laughs> just political dynasties and just kind of like these certain colleges and certain types of social circles that lead to folks pursuing these types of offices. And it's not necessarily that they actually, their hearts and minds are in the right place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so there is an oligarchical, heavily hierarchical nature to this. His family is old, 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 for Americans at least. Uh, they go back to the 1650s. And uh, <laughs> so this guy has a weird coincidence in retrospect. His buddy, William Henry Harrison, was born in that same county, and both of their fathers at one point served as governors of Virginia. So John, the elder, John, John Tyler's dad, the president's dad, and Mary Armistead Tyler raised eight kids, and they raised them in that uh, narrow uh, oligarchical way. You are meant to be the upper class. Uh, John Tyler, by the way, was a homie of Thomas Jefferson, who would later also be famous in American history. And John Tyler, the patriarch, he owned a tobacco plantation and he owned a lot of enslaved people, uh, dozens of enslaved people. When he wasn't enslaving people, he was also a judge at the U.S. Circuit Court there in Richmond. Wow. He was, as you might imagine, a big fan of states' rights. But not human rights. Well, exactly. But states' rights, I don't know, that seems to be the rallying cry in these days of uh, the folks who ended up on the wrong side of history. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's hardcore lost cause narrative, states' rights. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm. That's right. And I mean, you know, look at it, like looking at it now through a modern lens, I think there are obviously certain things that are better determined on a state level rather than like a broad strokes approach, you know, federal stuff. But I mean, in general, this is like a dog whistle, the state's right stuff at the time for like, we want to keep slaves. <laughs> he was it. mad about the Constitution. The president's dad was mad that the Constitution was going to be a thing. He was worried it might give the hoi polloi, the proletariat, uh, rights that he thought should be preserved for the wow. upper echelons of society. So not only did he want to hold on to, uh, with an iron fist, his, you know, human capital, his slaves, but he also wanted to disempower as much as possible anybody that he saw as beneath him. I bet he would have a lively conversation about whether or not the Irish were fully human. 
Jeez Louise. Yeah, so John obviously grew up uh, surrounded by this kind of talk. Uh, and when he was just seven, his mom, who I'm presuming was the the, the good influence, you know, the, 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 the better angel, uh, passed away from a stroke. Probably not. She was probably terrible, too. Who knows? I'm just trying to editorialize here a little bit. But um, he went to local schools, uh, as was the custom. Uh, at the age of 12, he entered a, I guess what you would call like a prep school. Um, but this was a division of the College of William and Mary, which I think is still very much a well-regarded university. Oldest college in the United States. Mm-hmm. There you go. And they're still doing good work. Yeah, he. so he goes to College of William and Mary, and eventually he graduates when he's only 17. It's 1807 now. He gets admitted to the Virginia Bar in 1809, the same year his father, famously a man of the people, becomes the governor of Virginia. So he and his dad, his paterfamilias, move to Richmond. And... Of course, you got connections, you got nepotism, you got networking. He immediately gets a job, John Tyler the Younger. Uh, oh, can we call him Junior in this? Why not? It'll get confusing. We definitely aren't going to have more John Tylers than we yeah, know what to do with this it's, episode. It's going to be like a Gabriel Garcia Marquez novel. Shout out 100 Years of Solitude. All right. So anyway, he gets this job. Uh, the nation's first attorney general is a dude named Edmund Randolph, and he hires John Tyler the Younger uh, quick, fast, and in a hurry. And immediately, everybody says, guys, he doesn't just want to be a lawyer. He wants to enter the world of politics. Yeah. I mean, again, that's sort of like the what you shoot for. <laughs> if you want to go beyond lawyer, that's sort of the prerequisite, right? It seems like most of the folks that enter civil service, quote unquote, um, do have some sort of background in the law, or at least at the levels of uh, that service that allows you to kind of feather your nest and the nests of your old money cronies. Mm hmm. Yeah. And so it came to pass that after just two years at the law firm, Tyler uses his boss's connections to get a seat in state government. He joins the Virginia House of Delegates. He is 21 years old. And then immediately he leads a campaign to, I guess, sort of admonish or shame other legislators who supported the Bank of the United States. And he said, this is too much power. It's it's too much nationalism. We are all about states' rights. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, his father passed away at this time. And so Tyler inherited a lot of the estate, including enslaved people. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. 
It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your teen enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Sometimes to get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. We're nothing if not trailblazers here at Ridiculous History. And you know who also is a huge uh, iconoclastic challenger of the status quo, Ben? Who is that, Noel? I think you know. It's Harry's. Yes, it's Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by all kinds of like slipshod, questionable products in the shaving industry. And they said, hey, you got to be the change. I was excited to try out the Winston set. It's an all-in-one package. You get some shaving cream. You get that great razor we're talking about. They also have deodorant. Yeah, I was about to say. Very helpful. I do really enjoy uh, their line of self-care products. Um, Richly lathering, skin-softening body washes and scents like redwood, wild lens, and stone. You want to know what a stone smells like? I've often wondered. Well, you know, you can. <laughs> so don't settle for the status quo, folks. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash history. Once again, that's harrys.com slash history for a $3 trial set. That's right. He inherited, uh, also it seems, his father's ideas about states' rights and also about uh, holding slaves. Um, He had a weird thing that he did where he wanted to outlaw slave trade in the District of Columbia, but opposed abolishing it um, without the consent of Maryland and Virginia. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of a half measures. Dude, kind of. You know, and and also the whole time, you guys, I'm sure have, we've all heard the myth about the seventh son of a seventh son. I have a cousin like that and he's insufferable. I hope you're listening. <laughs> uh, and so uh, this, so Tyler is, uh, he comes from a family of eight children. He himself is going to go on and have seven children. The, they're, they're doing a lot. 
reproduction wise. And his uh, his wife, Letitia Christian, she is more of an introvert and she's more of a homemaker. And so as uh, as she's raising these seven kids, as her husband is making all sorts of policy that will affect people for generations, he's just kind of not at home. Actually, it's it's like logistically interesting that they had seven kids. Yeah, it's like he's like a he's like one of those cops that's always on the case. You know, I can't I can't come home, honey. I can't I won't be home for dinner tonight. I gotta catch the bad guys. Um, uh, I'm sorry, I've been rewatching The Shield, which I think is a really great show that really holds up uh, with Michael Chiklis. He's in a similar situation. Totally bad guy. Uh, different flavor of bad than than John Tyler. But yeah, I mean, he really is well, for, for better or for worse, spending a lot of time at the office. Uh, one would hope for better that he would become like better at his job, but it would seem not. It would mm. seem not. Like he just maybe didn't want to go home. He also liked the wheeling. He liked the dealing. You know, I, I love that you're pointing out his odd stance on D.C. versus, you know, in Maryland and Virginia being part of that. Uh, he also was voting against tariffs. And then he voted against South Carolina trying to nullify terrorists. He was just sort of, uh, he was one of those, he wasn't a yes and dude. He was a no-but dude, an obstructivist. And he appears to have had some crises of conscience. In 1836, the Senate asked him to change his vote on some resolutions that were censuring President Jackson for removing money from the Bank of the United States. And they said, reverse your vote. Yeah, they said, reverse your vote, John. And he said, I will not. And they said, yeah, you should, though. And he said... I quit. So he quit the Senate, one of the most prestigious jobs in the United States then and today. Well, yes, yes, that's right. Uh, Whether he knew it or not, though, it would seem that dying on this particular hill was a positive for him and earned him some some street cred with the opposing party, uh, the Whig Party which um, in the year 1840 uh, shot him over a sweet nomination for vice president in the hopes that his southern charms and wiles might attract some of that voter block. Yeah, it's all about it's all about unifying that voting block, right? Getting as many people as possible to vote for your ticket. We might not ordinarily like this president, but we do love the VP. We don't like this VP necessarily, but it's an acceptable compromise because we love the president. And this this works. Harrison and Tyler defeat Martin Van Buren and his vice president, Richard M. Johnson. I got to tell you, too, it's it's endlessly funny to me when you meet presidential history buffs. Uh, Max is one. I'm one as well. Most of us don't know the vice presidents. I'm just going to be honest. We no. we just don't know. Max, you can name all the presidents, as can I, but can you name all the vice presidents? Oh, definitely not. I mean, there's so many of these turrets that were just so forgettable. And I mean, here's the <laughs> thing. It's important, Ben, you know this too. The major, like, especially pre-1900, most presidents were just like, they didn't do anything. A lot of these guys did nothing. And so they're pretty forgettable. And thus their vice presidents are very forgettable, especially once you get into the Gilded Age because they're just changing out VPs all the time because they're always getting charged with some sort of corruption charge. Hmm. Especially yeah. Grant's VPs. Grant's VPs change that a lot. 
Yeah, also, uh, let's say the quiet part out loud. Uh, for a lot of early American history, a lot of these politicians were kind of drunk. Oh, uh, so drunk. <laughs> no, shout like out. Mad Men rules, but like even even more so. You know, I mean, shit. We, we, we've seen George Washington's eggnog recipe. Exactly. These guys were blasted. Mad Men would look at these dudes and say, calm down, guys. It's, like only, it's only like 11 a.m. Yeah. Pump yeah. your brakes. So we also know that slogan, Tippecanoe and Tyler too, because of the cadence and the rhyming, uh, it, it became contagious in the American zeitgeist. Uh, this does refer to this river in Indiana where Harrison massacred uh, Shawnee population. And then, you know, Harrison is probably most famous for dying a month into becoming president. No one knew what to do. This was... And I'm not proud of it, folks. Unprecedented. Uh, the Constitution didn't say anything about it. No one had any idea. They said, what happens when the president dies? Does the vice president automatically get the job? Or are they just sort of the substitute teacher for a while? Yeah, it's interesting. It's sort of like we, we see a lot of flaws in our government uh, and the way things are run when we start to realize that oftentimes things are just kind of a product of decorum and sort of a sense of like um, tradition, I guess. And when you have folks that pay that no attention and just, you know, crap all over it, like we've seen in uh, recent times, you realize there's no actual laws backing up a lot of these things. It's just kind of the way things have been done or a situation that is yet to present itself. Yeah, exactly. You cannot predict everything. And because of this, Tyler's opponents, folks like John Quincy Adams, start calling him his accidency. You know, like you didn't earn your spot here. No one really voted for you, bro. We all know how vice presidents work. Anyway, Tyler said, forget you guys. I'm the president. I was next in line, moves into the White House and nobody manages to successfully overturn that decision. While he's there, he stays old school. He goes back to his Richmond days. Someone tries to establish a national bank twice, and he vetoes it both times. That's when everybody from his cabinet, except for one guy, resigns. This guy's like Vito Corleone over here. Am I right? You are correct, sir. Sorry. Invisible, I think invisible I drum kit. <laughs> so obviously we can understand the decision of Tyler's cabinet now. And they're like, hey, we came up because we all liked our boss. And a month later, he died. We did not agree with you. We did not sign up for this job. The only guy who stays is Secretary of State Daniel Webster, which could be an episode of his own. Anyway, two days later, after everybody resigns, the congressional reps in the Whig party say also, screw you, buddy. We are not fans of Johnny T. Well, you know, we know that the president, while they are bestowed with numerous unilateral powers, there is a little something that seems to also kind of work based more on decorum than anything uh, called checks and balances that does require you to have some support from other wings of the government. Um, they're obviously the veto thing is, is very unilateral, but if you don't have any support, then it's also going to be really hard for you to push through any of your policies of which it seems many of his were 
based in those uh, southern ways that his uh, papa kind of hipped him to growing up. Mm -hmm. Despite this, the excellent points you've made here, his administration does manage to get stuff done. They reorganized the Navy. They begin the United States Weather Bureau. Thank you for that. They end a war in Florida, the Second Seminole War, it's called. And then they put down... Uh, they put down a rebellion in Rhode Island. Now, I know we don't all think of Rhode Island as the seat of secessionism <laughs> no. these days. Uh, but, you know, in 1842, it was a very different place. And they now, maintained order. Now, but taken as a list of accomplishments that we just read, that doesn't seem too terribly shabby, you know, especially given that the, the, the deck was stacked against him. Why do people hate this guy so much? I, I imagine we're gonna we're gonna get to that. That's part of it. Uh, I think history doesn't look back kindly on the um, monarchical aspect of of Tyler's ideology, and okay. and they don't like the racism. It's supposed well, to be a country for, sure. for the people. It's just surprising to me that, that that despite having very little support from his party and from the legislature, that he was able to get. So much done. I mean, in modern times, we've certainly seen presidents that were absolutely hamstrung by activist kind of, you know, uh, behavior from mm -hmm. from the opposing party, just trying to hold up every bit of an agenda as possible just to make the president look bad. I'm just wondering if maybe things were a little differently and he was able to operate a little more unilaterally or like in a kingly fashion. I mean, I think an important note about this period of time is to understand what the Whig party was, which was, we don't like Andrew Jackson and nothing more than that. That was so it. He, his whole thing was he was a Democrat who didn't like Andrew Jackson. And so the Whigs are like, oh, come on over with us. You can be our VP and stuff. And like, you know, we, we talked about it with uh, Henry Clay because Henry Clay was like the one true Whig. It felt like nobody mm -hmm. else was a Whig. And so a lot of the stuff he was doing um, was probably very popular with the opposition party. Like he was always doing things. The Democrats were like, yeah. And the Whigs, like half of them were like, yeah. And half of them were like, no. And then um, mm -hmm. uh, somehow a third half of them was like, I don't know, like licking glue. Who knows? Right. The Whigs did not. The Whigs were not around for very long for very obvious reasons because Andrew Jackson eventually died. And they had no way forward. Mm -hmm. they, had, they had no real core policy other than screw jackson when you make your whole thing just based around hating a person mm -hmm. and then you lose the object of your hatred it's you're kind of rudderless at that point it's sort of funny if you think about it well it's it's the same reason why beginning something any great endeavor with a negative aspect baked into the core they're usually not sustainable you know and so so at the same time with great tragedy, seven children are left without a mother because Letitia dies in 1842. This is the first time an active president's uh, wife has passed away in the White House. Tyler marries another person two years later, Julia Gardner, in 1844. And so he also becomes the first active president to marry while in office. And like you were saying, Max, the Whigs agree with him on some things, reject him on others. The Democrats are very much not super fans of John Tyler. And so this guy, you got to admire the huts, but this guy goes into the presidential election in 1844 as the candidate of his own party. 
This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Uber Teen. Introducing Uber Teen Accounts, an Uber account for your teen with trackable trips and highly rated drivers. This is important stuff. Your teen can feel a sense of independence and you can follow their entire ride on that live tracking map. And, you know, I've actually been using Uber Teen lately to help my teen uh, get to and from various events. The other week, I used it to get them and their friend uh, to and from a concert in Atlanta. And today they're actually going to use it to get home from a football game. I watch every step of the way uh, from the moment the car's called to when they get in and then I can track their progress to and from their destination. It makes them feel safe and it lets me know that they're safe. I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. And here's how it works. When your team requests a trip, they are matched with highly rated experienced drivers and you receive those real-time notifications as well as enhanced safety features. That's right. Pin verification, in fact, to ensure that your team enters the right vehicle. Live trip tracking for parents. Plus, you, the parent, can contact the driver directly from the app. And don't delay. Today, you can get 40% off. That's up to $15 off three Uber Teen rides. Valid for the first 30 days for new users in select markets. See app for details. Add your teen to your account today. Available in select locations. See app for details. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Mint Mobile. On average, folks, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds aren't looking that great. Luckily, there is a 100% guaranteed way to save your money this year. Just switch to Mint Mobile. Yeah, right now, Mint Mobile has wireless plans starting at $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for 15 bucks a month. And all plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Don't delay to get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free. Go to mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. That's mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash ridiculous. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. He made up his own party. He found, like, the six people in Washington who would hang out with him and then said, everybody hates me. Make me president again. It didn't work. Yeah, I mean, it, once again, he was kind of, uh, what do you call it? He had some, just kind of, he was left with some hanging out in the breeze, you know? He was, there we go. He was Foreshadowing. Alone. He, was, he was alone. <laughs> 
Uh, nobody, nobody wanted to, to back him. Um, he, he had a very difficult time getting any support to the point that in uh, August 1844, he actually took his name out of the hat, the, the mm. conceptual hat, uh, and instead decided to throw his support behind the Democratic nominee, uh, James K. Polk. Um, and after he left office, uh, he did continue to be something of a social activists or he you know he he maintained a voice in public affairs you know uh and he of course maintained that beating of that that southern drum um that he he loved so well hmm. and uh let me let me amend this he had eight children i, I believe i may have said seven earlier uh so let's be clear there that's why we're talking about this episode America's 10th president had a grandchild that lived well into the modern age. It is absolutely bizarre. Shout out again to Sherwood Forest, home of President Tyler. Uh, you can learn more information about this. He had So he had eight kids with his first wife, Letitia, Mary, Robert, and John, Letitia, Elizabeth, Alice, and of course, Max's favorite, Tazewell, T-A-Z-E-Well. That's Don't a where fabulous that name. Where'd that come from? Nominative determinism there means this person is going to become like a security guard. Or the inventor of the taser. Perhaps. Is, it's literally spelled wish. that way. I've never seen that. It does seem kind of like a Southern name, like mm. Mr. Tazewell. You know, I just picture that. And uh, can I also just say that when people on YouTube who are like coastal, kind of like California types, mock the South as an overarching thing, I want to punch them. I hate it. Because we, you know, we live here, we can make fun of it, but when you do that voice and you're from, like, California or something like that in New York, it all my, it just burns me up. Burns me up. Yeah, right? but isn't that what British people think about when we do British accents Probably on this show? so. I'm trying to be self-aware about all of this, but I'm saying also, like, Georgia or Georgia is a complex state just like it anywhere is. else. You know, you've got your redneck contingents in California. You've got bad people and lazy, good-for-nothing, uneducated, you know, dingbats everywhere. It's just really annoying to me when I think it's lazy when people focus in on the South and act like it's all just, you know, people marrying their cousins or something well, like that. Well, that's, that's just, which we have an episode about. That's yeah, the do. word. That's, that, that's the word lazy. Uh, you know, I love I love a good cartoonish accent, obviously. Uh, and I, I love it when it's well-intentioned in good fun. But when it's lazy writing, then it's just a case of do better. You know what I mean? And, and here's the deal with the children. So You'll find some sources saying seven children with the first wife, some saying eight. The truth of it is that unfortunately, one of those kids died at birth. And that's why the sources differ a little. Uh, and so when he re it doesn't stop there, as Billy Mays was wont to say, wait, there's more. When he marries Julia Gardner Tyler, who is 30 years younger than him, uh, they have more kids. Again, no judgment here, but I would say that goes against the whole age appropriate formula that we've talked about on the show. He's like, I think you know, seventy divided by yeah, it's actually not as far off as you think. It's not so bad. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, because it does have to do with the age that the uh, the divided elder by is. two and add seven. Yeah, that's the one, isn't it? Okay, uh -huh. so what? So, so that would be. 42 if he was 70. I don't remember exactly how old he was when he married her. Mm. But 
Well, yeah. probably about sixty-nine. Let's just let's just make it the naughty number and call it sixty-nine. Nice. So she would have been thirty-nine. Oh, I feel like she was in her. Yeah, I don't know. It's pushing it. At yeah, best. it's pushing it. But whatever. We're not here to judge. It was it was a different time. But yeah, they did have a child. Uh, his youngest child, Pearl, was born uh, at the ripe old age of seventy. Yeah, not, not the child. Instantly seventy. That'd be interesting. That'd be like some Benjamin Button stuff. No, Tyler was seventy uh, when he uh, his wife gave birth uh, to their youngest child. Happens a lot these days as well. You know, I think uh, Robert De Niro, notable actor, and Mick Jagger, notable musician, both mm-hmm. had some kids pretty late Wait, in life. It looks like he lost more than just one child, though, right? They they had four tragic. Uh, to actually kind of jump in and backtrack, because actually the child we're following. So he had seven more children with this woman. Yeah, the one child he lost was from the first marriage. That's right. But then, but but so the jo- the joke of it is like there's four children who died before the birth of his last child. I what was see. in the what was going on? That sounds yeah. that's unlikely. Yeah, I mean, again, it was a different time. Medical technology wasn't where it is, but that just seems like real rotten luck there. Yeah, he had a total of fifteen children. 15 legitimate children that we know of with two spouses, eight boys, seven girls. And uh, as as you point out, Max, four of his children had already passed away by the time he had his last child, Pearl, that you mentioned, Noel. And Pearl, let's trace the line a bit. Pearl lives until 1947. Pearl lives, uh, she's born in 1860. She lives long enough to see World War II World War One, the Civil War. It's nuts. I'm going to use the phrase, Max, uh, you wrote this, uh, and I, I just want to give credit where it's due. You could say it at hyper-virulent sperm. The seed is strong. Mm, yeah. yeah. That was a Game of Thrones. There thing. is uh, another well-known book, I believe you referenced already, Ben, which uh, was called Sherwood Forest, home of President John Tyler. Um in which they make note that he had 44 grandchildren, five of which were named John. And I just, uh, having just recently rewatched the 1970s Disney uh, Robin Hood, I love the idea of living in Sherwood Forest. It seems like a place for the proletariat, you know? It seems like a place where, like, the a band of merry, you know, ruffians uh, hang out and have their fort and steal from the rich. But uh, not this Sherwood Forest, it would seem. No, and this all leads us to the grand mathematical oddity. If we're playing along at home, ridiculous historians, 15 children, those 15 children make 44 grandchildren, and five of those are confusingly named John. This means that up until just three years ago, two of the 10th president's grandchildren were alive. They were alive while we were doing this show. That's wild. Man, the 10th president. That's a long time ago. I don't understand. He was born in 1790. Yeah, that's pretty insane. Uh, It's that strong sperm. That's what did it. It it, it has life-giving powers, you know? It's that strong math, too. So uh, it's obviously sperm in general has life-giving powers. That's sort of what it is. But uh, mystical, imbued with uh, a little more chutzpah. Yeah. Uh, So let's give you the names. Uh, Lion Gardner Tyler Jr., grandson of the 10th president, Johnny T., uh, passed away on September 26th, 2020, at the 
heartbreakingly young age of 95. Oh, 95 years young and and gone too soon. Uh, Lion's brother, Harrison Ruffin Taylor, I love the name Ruffin, by the way, um, was born in 1928, is still living. That's right. To this day, still living. He is 95 years old. Yeah, exactly. He's 95 years young. Ripe old age. But he still gets out there and mall walks, you know. Uh, I'm sure. I mean, I mean, what, what is this guy up to? I'm I'm intrigued. My imagination really is running into, wild. He does a lot of a uh, lot of EDM, a lot of DJing. He's he's got some deep house, a little bit of jungle, you know. Really into VR rhythm games. <laughs> That's his whole thing. And so we're going to call it a day, but we want you to know, fellow ridiculous historians, Noel, Max, and I went through more research we had compiled for this and we we're gonna bring it back in our continuing clip show which uh so far has ended up with us doing like one piece of uh stuff we didn't get to and i'm happy with that i thought the nukes episode was good oh totally and it's fun we've got stuff that's like ends up kind of clustered around sort of themes so it'll be really mm-hmm. fun to do those I, I would love to add one last little bit of trivia i just found this before well we took a little off mic moment we mentioned the the tagline tippecanoe and tyler too and uh we're talking about that this was a, a egregious act of war criminality by the u.s um in defeating indigenous people and and dare we say, slaughtering them, we do say. Uh, But apparently there's a thing called the Tippecanoe Curse or Tecumseh's Curse, which is an urban legend that cursed United States presidents voted into office in years that end with zero that can be divided by 20. Um, 1840, President Harrison died in office from illness. 1860, Lincoln assassinated. 1880, Garfield assassinated. 1920, Harding died in office after suffering a heart attack. 1940, Roosevelt died during his fourth term. 1960, Kennedy assassinated. Interesting. Didn't know about this. Um, Thought it worth mentioning, but yeah, man. uh, Kind of an ornery, um, you know, spoiled brat type figure uh, in politics. But I think the the, the lineage is interesting. And I'll, I'll, I'll honestly, how he came to be in power is also interesting. The whole thing, you know, I think it, I think it fits the bill for Ridiculous History. Also, one last thing I do want to point out. Uh, it seems like the, the two grandchildren, Lion and Harrison, seem to be all right dudes. So it looks like, you know... Yeah. It seems like the terribleness has uh, not got all the way down. The their father, um, not as much. If you're interested in learning more about him, find his William and Mary page that talks about his uh, time as president of the College of William Mary. By the way, they all went to College of William and Mary. Very uh, that old, old, old money. Dominion. Because of course they did, and it's important to know the sins of the parents, not the sins of the child, right? So we're going to end it there. Thank you, as always, folks, so much for tuning in. Thanks to our super producer and research associate for this episode, Mr. Max Williams, as well as uh, as his own brother, still alive, Alex Williams, who composed this track. Huge thanks to Christopher Osteotis here in spirit. He's Jeff Coates, Jonathan Strickland. Ever may the curse of Strickland reign. Mm-hmm. In any year that ends with a number. Exactly. <laughs> we'll see you next time, folks. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. This episode is brought to you by Discover. You know, in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service, as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. This episode of Ridiculous History is brought to you by Avalon Waterways. Ben, are you in major need of a vacation right now? Noel, you're a mind reader. I am, and uh, aren't we all? We are. While cruising remains popular, there's something big happening in the industry, and that is, my friend, smaller ships. True story. The intimate ships of Avalon Waterways can go where the big ships can only dream, through winding passageways of rolling vineyards and castled hills into the heart of timeless cities and storybook villages. That sounds like a delight. See how Avalon's smaller ships promise greater discoveries, fewer people, and more of everything. Limited time. Special offers await at avalonwaterways.com. 